0: All right, good morning, church. Good to be here. Oops, sorry. <clears throat> you just get so used to it, you forget it's even on. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, before I jump into the message and continuing the series on New Day Flavor, I do have an announcement. Uh, most of you hopefully have already heard. We did our best to try to communicate it um, to as many as we could in the short time that we had, but uh, for... Um, uh, reasons I really have I'm limited uh, ability to define because um, he didn't give me words to use. Uh, Anthony Davis has chosen to resign his position uh, in the church as of uh, Tuesday at noon, <clears throat> and I did my best to try to talk him out of it. I did, did not. I did not feel there were any compelling reasons, um, and all he was able to say was that his vision of uh, church and ministry had been diverging from the vision of New Day to the point, and and myself, to the point where he felt it was best uh, for him as well as for the church to go on uh, a different direction. And so we just blessed uh, Anthony, and as uh, the whole pastoral staff were at Vine last night sharing um, with them, and it was a difficult time for them to embrace the, the loss of Anthony, they loved him. He poured in so much. Um, he's poured in much here over the years, uh, especially the last two years as youth, leading our youth group and did a phenomenal job in every way. Anthony was excellent in, in what he put his hand to do. And so uh, when he made that decision, <clears throat> as I said, I tried to talk about it, tried to uh, maneuver that, but uh, uh, he, was, he was very convinced. So I prayed a blessing on him. And send him on his way. We have nothing but uh, fondness and gra- gratitude and, and thankfulness. And so even though we will miss his presence, he's still in town. I don't know what his future plans are. Uh, we still stay in fellowship. He's a dear friend. And um, and we, we can rejoice in that he was part of this body in such a vibrant part for so many years. But now God's uh, moving him in a new direction. And God will provide whenever there's a, a, a leadership the position, for whatever reason, moves. Uh, it, it opens up an app, uh, opportunity for others to rise up, and we call that a leadership vacuum. And it's actually necessary in order for others to take on more responsibility and step into their calling. And that's what we're believing God will do for the, for the youth, especially here even though Anthony will be dearly missed, so if you have questions about that, you can get a hold of me or the mentors or others uh, throughout the week. And and Anthony's, like I said, is still in town. All right. <clears throat> well, we are talking about new day flavor and specific things that make us who we are as a church. And um, you know, what does it mean to be a presence based church? That's what I'm talking about today. We're a presence based church, presence-based ministry. And really, what does that mean? And I just want to start with a little bit of a background. Boy, it's really raining outside. At the end of this service, I'm going to hop on my motorcycle and ride to the Upper Peninsula. So I have a little bit of window. I'm like, get this rain pass, and then I get to go. So be praying for me. Uh, It is coming down, so... Uh, what does it mean to be presence-based? And, and, and that term you may not be familiar with. It is a, it is a common phrase in churchology, and uh, pastors understand this, but um, we want to communicate that and, and, uh, and communicate what that means. And we need to understand that we are the fulfillment, or we're walking in the prophetic declarations and visions that were given to the generation that came before us. Okay, do you realize that? You are, re, we are, in this day, directly connected to the previous generation and generations and the revelations that they were faithful to steward to position us to be where we are today. And um, there was a man, his name was Reg Lazell, and uh, you may have never heard of him, but he was, a, he was, in his day, in the late 40s and 50s, the equivalent of bill johnson or john or not would be today as one of the leading voices worldwide recognized uh in the revival that that was birthed in the mid-40s and went through the 50s and actually is still continuing although uh not in the same structure the anointing continues revival never ends it just moves and new people pick up the mantle and we're still carrying that mantle and i had the honor back in the 80s Think of it, in the 80s, I was an adult, I was married, okay? <laughs> and Reg LaZelle visited our church at just one time, he was a very elderly man at that time, and, um, and a statesman of God, but just carried that anointing, and he prophesied, actually he prophesied a whole chapter by memory uh, from the book of Isaiah over this church, that, that we would be a place of God's presence and that we would extend out and send forth others to spread that place and reproduce the place of God's presence locally, nationally, and internationally. And we've done that, and we are doing that. And um, part of uh, the revelation that um, Reg walked in was based on this verse in Psalm 22. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. And what happened was actually in... uh, British Columbia, Canada. The initial outpouring, but again spread worldwide, was that God was just showing up powerfully in times of worship, singing, and it, it birthed new songs, but also it birthed an experience of what what was become became known as spontaneous song, and so. Uh, people would just break into a spontaneous song and the anointing would come and there would be prophecy and all the stuff we take for granted in our expressions of a, of a spirit-filled church, a lot of it was birthed in that, that revival that was uh, sweeping the world in the 40s and 50s. Presence-based uh, because the revelation that God actually inhabits he's present, he's personally present when his people are worshiping and praising. And we we took that and we ran with it, and we are a church that really honors that. And we need, our job, just like it was the previous generation's job, our job is to continue that vision and to proclaim a prophetic vision for the next generation, to steward and, uh, and, and to uh, sh- go for what God has for us next. And so, um, the idea that God is present with his people is uh, throughout Scripture. I'm going to real quickly do a survey of the whole Bible. So you ready? Seatbelts, buckle! All right, Old Testament prophetic types of God's presence with his people. Boy, it starts right at the beginning in the garden. God would walk with his people. And Genesis uh, 3.8 says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And we get the idea that this was just God's routine. He'd show up at certain times in the day and just walk with him. God came and visited his people in creation. And then another major experience was Jacob um, as he was journeying. He uh, 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 and he, uh, he slept. He used a rock as a pillow. I think he needed a little wisdom there, but <laughs> Jacob awoke. This is Genesis 28 from asleep, sleep, and he had had a vision of a ladder going from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending, all right? This is a huge, important vision. I hope that series of sermons couldn't contain all of the information in it but the idea that this was the connecting place he he had discovered he had stumbled upon the place where heaven met earth and that there was a coming and going of the angelic presence and the presence of god and he awoke and he said surely god is in this place and i didn't know it god can be somewhere and you don't know it sometimes you need to hit your head on a rock And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is no, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So this, this idea of the house of God is given to us that there was a place that was special. And Bethel means Beth in Hebrews house. El is in Hebrews God, uh, God's house. And so he actually called that place and became the name of that place. And then we see later the Moses' tabernacle, as they journeyed through the wilderness, God gave them a vision to create this incredible uh, tent-like structure. It was massive. that uh, They actually used it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, it says, then the, uh, And when they built it and uh, dedicated it, the cloud of the Lord covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because a cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can you imagine walking up the church, opening the door, and walking in and hitting a cloud so dense that you couldn't even press into it? And that that that, that was a presence, the glory. Glory is a Hebrew word kabod, which means weight. The weightiness. And I've felt that a couple of times uh, throughout my life where it just, I feel the weight of God's presence. Uh, and it's a powerful thing. The next example is in Solomon's temple. Again, there's whole chapters written on this, just real quick. Uh, they built this massive temple, uh, David's son, Solomon. And in the dedication the trumpeters and the singers performed and in unison, there was praise, there was giving of thanks. Remember, God inhabits the praises of his people, and there's music, trumpets, cymbals, instruments, everybody's worshiping. He is good, and his faithfulness endures forever. They're declaring the character and the nature of God as an expression of their a value of him and, a, and love for him. And at that moment, that same thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not continue their service because of the Lord, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And again, don't you wish we had the, the DVD, the, the, the live stream of that? Come on. Something happened where the priests in one of the passages, it's, they fell down. They could not stand. They were knocked off their feet. Because God's presence came in such a powerful way, and so all through the Old Testament, the uh, people, God's people, were required actually to visit the temple three times a year. No matter where you lived in the country, you uh, you had the journey. They, uh, all men were required, and then the whole families were required, if they were able, three times a year to spend a couple of weeks in festivals celebrating the presence of God and, and fellowshipping together. And so <laughs> they would come to the place of God's dwelling throughout the Old Testament. And God took centuries and built a whole nation to communicate the value of leaving everything else behind and, the, and pushing through the inconvenience and adjusting your schedule to go meet God at his place. Real important. But in the New Testament, there's a shift, okay? Okay. And uh, Jesus says that he, he, he's talking to his disciples that he would pray to the father and that the father would give another helper uh, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him uh, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. <gasps> this is radical. For all of the, uh, the, uh, Moses' law under the law and the prophets, they had to come to God. But now God's saying, I will come to you. And you will know at that day that I am in my Father and you are in me and I in you. And so we, we enter in to a much deeper experience of presence with God in the, uh, through Christ because he comes to us, but he is in us and we are in him. And Jesus, the great commission of, of of sending the disciples to go and preach the gospel into all the world and make disciples. It starts out based on his authority as Christ, as the Messiah, as God, uh, 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 the, the Son of God uh, coming and having died, having risen from the dead, conquered sin and death. But it ends with the promise that as we go, what's it say there? I am with you Always, always in every way, Jesus is with us, and so He does, never leaves us, even to the end of the age. And this promise that He's with us, He's present, uh, and so the fulfillment of the Great Commission is walking out that knowledge and carrying the presence of God wherever we go through the uh, the message of the gospel. And the promise in Acts that I will pour out my spirit. Uh, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit fell on the uh, disciples as they were praying. And the uh, fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that uh, the Holy Spirit would be poured out and we would have the power of God in us to do miraculous things like prophesy and and have visions and dreams and and see healings and miracles. I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And so this again, this is the picture of the New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and predictions of of a presence-based relationship and people. And see the, the, the big deal here is in the old covenant it was mainly centered on the nation of Israel as God was preparing that nation to be an example to the world. And so they came, it was all uh concentric to Jerusalem to communicate the importance of the oneness of God and the importance of the unity of his people and experiencing his presence together. But then that shifts because we're sent out to communicate that message to the whole world that God is present in his people gathered wherever we gather, whenever we gather, throughout the whole world. And that's, and that's where his spirit comes when we gather in his name. Uh, Paul said it this way, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you. What spirit? The same spirit that came down on Solomon's temple in such a thickness that uh, uh, the uh, priest couldn't stand the minister. And this continues throughout the New Testament that we are the temple of God and that together when we gather. So individually, the Spirit dwells in us, but as Peter says, we are like living stones, each one of us. One brick in that temple. And so when we come together, we, we, we have the fullest expression of what it means to, to experience the presence of God. And, uh, uh, and so it is important to gather together, uh, it, whether it be on the weekend services when we gather in larger groups, whether we gather in smaller groups and community groups. Now, through technology, we can gather online and pray with one another. All of that is very, very important. Why? Uh, because it encourages us, yes, but it 's because we experience god 's presence and god 's presence is, is there in a unique and powerful way i 'm going to ask uh, Carrie Miller, who is the director of our worship ministry, to come and share a little bit about how we express presence based uh, ministry in our worship
1: good morning i 'm carrie i 'm not going to put that there um, what does presence-based worship look like? Um, we here at New Day, um, we seek the Lord when we're preparing for our worship sets. We pray. We ask the Holy Spirit for his leading. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? What do you want to release in our meetings? And we listen. We get an idea from the Holy Spirit of what he wants to do and say. say and then we pray about it. We choose songs that would foster what he wants to do, say, and release. And um, we sow that prayer. We sow that preparation so that when we come into the meeting, we can see the manifestation and the fruit of that sowing, and we reap, you know, the presence of God. We reap an encounter with the Holy Spirit that can be life-changing. And um, ever since last September, our focus as a worship team has been seeking The Lord to produce miracles in our worship sets, to deliver people in our worship sets as we're just worshiping before the Lord, that the Lord would come and just do amazing and miraculous things and transformative things in our spirits. And we're seeing the fruit of that. And why? Because we're praying for it, we're asking for it, we're declaring it corporately. And hopefully, you notice that, you know, when the worship leader is leading. You know, hopefully you're following and you're listening and you're coming into agreement with what we're doing and saying and singing so that we can all reap the benefit of what He wants to do. And as an example, you know, I'm praying and asking the Lord, Well, what do you want me to say? How can I explain this? And how can people understand and get a greater understanding and have a greater expectation for when we come into our meetings that you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, he reminded me of the chorus and sing with me if you know this turn your eyes upon jesus look full into his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace now we know that it's a beautiful song it's beautiful imagery and but if you're just singing it as a song and you're just singing the words it's just a song but if i'm gonna lead you with it i might give an exhortation like the lord wants you to focus on his face this morning he wants your eyes on his eyes and he wants to give you the peace that comes with knowing that he's in control so let's sing that again let's close our eyes let's focus on the face of jesus jesus you're so beautiful Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes on Jesus, and let's just wait a minute, let's let his gaze walk on your gaze what do you see there do you see do you see a king who doesn't have power do you see someone who doesn't have mad love for you this morning no i see the beauty in his eyes it's radiating his glory and that glory's pouring out on you oh trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding He is with you, he's for you. Together, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So did you you feel what happens there? Like... Did you feel a difference in your spirit? Did he give you a little bit of peace right there? You know, when we seek the Lord together, when we come into obedience and agreement with what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in the moment, it is a powerful, powerful tool. It is a powerful weapon to wield in the kingdom of God. And that feeling, that sensation within your spirit, that fire that he's put there because you're full of his Holy Spirit, I believe there's a direct correlation for what your spirit spirit is going to experience in our meeting based on what you're sowing into it during the week. So I would suggest to you that you don't let that go when you walk out these doors, that you're in the word, that you're praying, that you're worshiping throughout the week. You're asking God with us, God, what are you going to do in our meeting? What is, what is the worship team preparing? What are they going to release that I can take hold of? What Is my response to the invitation of the Holy Spirit, and I can tell you, if you sow into that like we are, if we can agree, we're going to have exponentially greater experience together in our
0: meetings. Thank you. So, real quick, going to go through a couple other ways that we are spirit led, uh, we uh, and presence based in our teaching. This is a verse where Paul explains to um, the church how he views the ministry of the word. It says, we determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Listen, presence-based, Holy Spirit, anointed preaching of the word of God has this as its primary message. And if it's anything else, it's a little bit off base. We need to have the central focus of Jesus Christ, the person, the, the, the character, the teaching, but mostly the act of sacrifice of him being crucified. That's what gospel preaching is all about. And so everything needs to tie into that. I was, he goes on, he says, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. My speech and preaching... We're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so we want our words to be based from scripture. When I teach pastors, and I do this all the time, I I go to places and I teach aspiring pastors and people that want to be in ministry. I like, listen, I don't care how good a speaker you are. I don't care how good your outline is. I don't care how good your slideshow is. You need. We need to understand that the only authority we have as communicators in church and as as Christ representatives is God's word. Okay, and so it's when we take God's word and we take the the truths there and communicate it in a way that that we can live it in our day, in a meaningful way. Anything beyond that is peripheral. All right, and 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 it's unfortunate. Often people lose that, that simplicity. Now, interesting, Paul goes on and says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. There is a place for a scholarly study, for understanding, for digging into the roots and knowing the Hebrew and Greek um, uh, language bases as much as you can, <laughs> and knowing how to research and, and get historical background but we don't use the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of the worldly wisdom or philosophies, um, but we use godly wisdom. And and so there is a depth that is available, uh, but the depth is built on the foundation of the simple message of the gospel of who Jesus is and him crucified. And so how we do that is, you know, spiritual doesn't always mean spontaneous. I was at, uh, uh, just just when I was in Tennessee, someone, I get this all the time, (coughs) Uh, they they were like, so what are you teaching on uh, tomorrow? And then uh, she was like, oh, uh, if you know. I mean, like, if if the Holy Spirit's told you. She was like, she realized she thought that question was presumptuous. And I chuckle because I have friends that that's how they operate. It's like, they don't know what they're going to preach until they wake up, you know, that morning. And I'm like, I honor that. That's fine. I hope that the Holy Spirit knows a little more in advance. (laughs) And in fact, I expect the Holy Spirit to know, and so my job is to find out what the Holy Spirit wants us to teach, uh, not just the day before or the week before, but maybe months before, so I can be thinking and studying and preparing, and that's what we do. And we put a lot of time into and thought and discussion and seeking the Lord about what we're going to teach and the topics and how, and then we even hone the primary point, sometimes the, the particular verses, we give freedom for each of our teachers to teach in their own style and to draw in different aspects, but the general idea is that we want to be going in the same direction at all three of our congregations, and we really work hard to hone that, to follow the course uh, that we feel the Holy Spirit presence-based in our speaking, in our teaching, because God is leading us, and we're always open for redirection. And this year, it's been redirected more than any other previous year. Like the series we had planned for next month, we just chucked (laughs) and said, no, that's just not what needs to be taught. And there was just several of us just didn't feel peace on it. And so we we came up with a new series, and we're going to be sharing that next month. Uh, For the Word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. God's Word's alive. All right? It's not some dead book that was written the thousands of years ago, that doesn't matter anymore. No, it's alive. It's as relevant today as it was the day it was penned. Every word in it is living and it's powerful. And I believe this verse applies to every verse in Scripture, but it also applies to the communication of God's word when, when it's done through anointed preaching. And so there needs to be life and, and, and power and that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. It gets into our hearts and it gives us direction and discernment and understanding. And we really, really really uh, strive for that in our teaching ministry and uh, in every aspect that, that we do teaching. And in other ways, and this is maybe an odd verse, but I think it sums up the attitude that uh, 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 the New Testament leaders had and that we try to emulate it's a story in Acts 16 where Paul was going out on... <clears throat> I can slow down because it started raining again, and I, the rain has to stop before I leave. <laughs> Just kidding. So, it was, uh, so they were going from city to city, preaching the gospel. It says that when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and, and Galatia, which is the whole region, <clears throat> they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Asia. And I'm like, what did that look like? Could you describe it? The Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the gospel in Asia. I don't know what that looked like. It doesn't say. Oh, Just that's what happened. You know, For some reason, the door was closed, and they couldn't do it. So they went, changed direction. And they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them to do it. So maybe it was like they couldn't get a a plane ride, no, they don't have planes, boat ride, you know, the road was closed, they didn't have the connections, or maybe they had a vision, Uh, or maybe they got there and they couldn't talk, I don't know, so passing by, so they said, okay, plan number three, passing by Abesia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Ah, here we have a little description. We, a vision directed Paul, and he interpreted that vision as, oh, this is where God wants us. We were trying to go there, no doors open, no trying to go there. there. Oh, this is where we're going. And they went, and that was when, they, the gospel was first preached in the continent of Europe, which led to over the uh, uh, next uh, uh, thousand years, you know, the gospel spread so that the whole of Europe became Christianized. Why? Because Paul was going one direction, he couldn't go. And so he said, okay, I'm going to keep going. We're going to go that way. No, that didn't you know, Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to sleep, Way up, have vision. Okay, we're going to go that way. All right, And so this is just the process. This is what it looks like to be spirit-led, presence-based. We have a plan. But you know what? We're open to divine interruption. We don't stop. What if Paul would have I tried to preach in Asia, and the Holy Spirit forbade me. So okay, I'm just going to go back and make tents. No he didn't give up. He keeps, He kept pressing on because he said so there must be another uh, way to do this. Uh, And So listen, ministry is full of of challenges, and we're going this way full on, and for some reason, we got to stop. We have a choice. Do we give up, or do we redirect and keep pressing on? That's the only thing I know how to do. I don't know how to give up, right? So we're going to keep pressing on, and everything we do, we soak in prayer. We soak in prayer. We pray before, during, and after. I, uh, it was just constantly, personally, every decision I make is influenced by prayer. And even as I'm making decisions, I always have a tender ear. I'm like, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh God what should I do? Uh, and so that's how we lead in every aspect, whether it be choosing uh, who's going to lead children's ministry or deciding whether or not we're going to, uh, you know, upgrade the video cameras so we can do better live streaming or deciding everything, really everything. What we do, we, we prayerfully consider, and we want to be, stay tuned to that that leading of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's powerful; it's like the vision in the night. But often it's it's subtle. It's like I just don't I don't think we can do that right now, or we need to do this right now. And and that sensitivity to be submitted to the purpose and the direction that God has given us as a church. We're going to end with this verse from Acts chapter three, and this is uh, Peter preaching to. Um, the crowd that had gathered after he prayed for a paralytic uh, man who was paralyzed and and he was healed. And so he had an audience and so he's preaching the gospel. And he concludes the gospel presentation with this phrase. He said, repent therefore and be converted. Okay, repent means you have a change of mind. You realize the direction you're going is wrong and God's saying we need to change. And then be converted means that you actually begin to act and behave differently and you, and you choose to be a Christ follower. Uh, and he challenged the people that were listening. They saw the power of God and the response to seeing the power of God is to repent, to recognize, oh, in this area of my life, I am doing wrong and I need to convert. I need to change. I need to make a change in my life. And so that your sins may be blotted out, because that, that acknowledgement of sin and, and, and committing to change and become a Christ follower is what enables us to be freed from guilt and shame, but also not only the guilt and shame of sin, but also the power of sin. We don't have to walk in sin anymore. Sin no longer has dominion over us if we're in Christ. If you've converted, you've repented, and you've committed your life to follow him, uh, Jesus sets us free. We walk in the freedom of Christ. And it says, so that, do that for this purpose, so that times of refreshing may come. Where? Come from the presence of the Lord the presence of Lord, so individual salvation as well as the experience of church from the beginning of the Bible in the garden to the very end of the Bible in Revelation when Christ comes down in the new Jerusalem and dwells with his people forever is about being in communion, in presence, in his presence. And, and we are called to be Christ followers that live and walk and, and, and be carriers of his presence wherever we go. Pastor Merrill is going to come and close the message. Thank you so much.